It's the, uh, when he does the, uh-oh, this does not look good for Homestar one oh. <laughs> Homestar Runner. I miss it, man. Uh, I miss Trogdor! Oh, everybody misses Trogdor. Trogdor's a board oh. game now. I need to go get it. Yeah, it's it's apparently a pretty good one. I, I it's one that I got to pick up. Okay, so you you were talking about the the text game that Strong Bad is playing. Remind me of this one. It's so he's at his computer and uh-huh. uh, God, I can't remember the whole bit, but he's playing the text game and he's typing on there and uh, he's in a room. Oh, and there's uh, like a flask. You're, he's like, you're, you can't get you flask, and you just wonder why, or why you can't get you flask. Yeah, <laughs> the exits are north. West and, and Dennis. Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> and on that yes. note, I want to say hello and good morning, listeners. Welcome to Morning Radio TBD. Yeah, we should really settle on a name <laughs> since we're about to release our first episode of this. And it's still semi-nebulous what we're even calling this one. That's why I like Morning Radio TBD. We might just go with that. Morning like, Radio TBD. the name. TBD. What? Well, I mean, especially considering that, like, you know, our our discussion topics uh, on a week to week basis are going to be highly TBD. It's, you know, whatever happens to be rattling around in our brain. So, yeah, we got we got good stuff. We got good stuff in store today. (laughs) I'm assuming. I I hope so. I mean, we're kicking it off by talking about uh, the Homestar Runner, um, which is such an early aughts throwback that I like. Man, I remember I remember being in physics class in high school and we would come in and talk about the most recent strong bad email. Yeah. Uh if you were born after uh the year 2000, you kids today they don't know. They don't know well, Homestar Runner. Well, so uh, a lot of Homestar Runner is now uploaded on YouTube, which I appreciate because it at least gives the animation a second life, but what what it completely misses was the experience of being in the Homestar Runner website because, you know, the, the Flash animation players allowed for a lot of weird, fun interactivity in the videos. So if you had your mouse hovering in the right spot, like you could catch interactions in the animations. Like you could actually play along with the uh, the little cartoons. And some of those are, are still preserved, like a lot of the uh, a lot of it came down to when the paper you know the preow would come down at the uh, at the at the end of each uh, strong bad email um you could click on elements in that and it would actually load further and some of that's preserved in the youtube but like not all of it's there and um yeah man that was that was like the early wild west days of uh internet entertainment and uh i do miss those days those were that was a fun time the internet might be too big now. Uh, like, I think we should shrink it back to where you had <laughs> you had Homestar Runner and Geosites and uh, LimeWire. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the one that it was it Angel Fire was the one that would let anybody make a website like way back in the day, and they were just like really oh. shitty HTML websites. Yeah, but the, the the early days of Flash, man, and like the amount of Flash animation and Flash games that would come out, it was Flash it animation. Was Flash animation and Flash games is one of those like odd artifacts of a bygone time that I like. You know, boomer millennials like us like kind of gripe and moan that it's not there anymore. But I do think I, I do think it's a loss. Like I, I th- that was just it. I, I it was. 
and, and maybe it was because it was more um, focused. You know, like there, it, it wasn't like you said, it just wasn't as big as it is now. Uh, but you had, you know, just fewer options to go to. And there was some really cool content back then. I'm sure there's like similar stuff these days. It's just even even the most like viral of content doesn't seem to have quite the same like cultural. It's not quite the same like cultural cultural like touch point as the Homestar Runner days. I don't know. I may, Maybe this is just nostalgia talking. I could I could just it could be. I mean, it was a good time. Boomer millennial. I don't like that term. I it's, don't it, think you should associate me with. We, we, <laughs> I mean, we we are closer to Gen X than uh, than like mid and younger millennials. Uh, nah, no. I I, I mean, because even like um, Gen Z, which as a uh, uh, a cultural and a and a generation, truly fascinates me. I'm I'm very very interested in the way that they uh, look at the world. And younger millennials tend to have more in common with Gen Z. Older millennials tend to have more in common, I guess, with Gen X, but I think that there's still a pretty firm dividing line there. Anyway, older millennials are are increasingly being referred to as boomer millennials. And it's, I don't know why we're not, you know, Gen X, you know, the Zillennials, I've heard that one before, but I guess that gets confused with uh, Gen Z uh, millennial. Yeah, it, like we're, you and I, we're millennials. We are. Uh, yeah. We're, we are on the but, older end of the millennial generation, but yeah, now we have Gen Z. Gen Z is right. our successor. Gen uh, Z is our successor. And, and then they're going to be succeeded by Gen Alpha, I guess is what the, the next one is. I believe uh, that because um, my kid is very much part of generation asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he is such, such a strong personality. Uh, and he thinks like he would go into a heavyweight match now. Okay. Kid weighs of 60 course. pounds. He will go. He's got the attitude. <laughs> he has got the attitude. He'd be like, well, no. I, I, and then he would try to change the rules of the match. He'd be like, well, no, so you can't win. do this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Why are kids today? assholes no that's not what we're talking about today uh morning radio tvd <laughs> obviously we're we're big important and successful and famous now so i'm just gonna go yes. ahead and take a sip um, of my coffee on that one i'm glad you brought that up because i checked our horoscopes today um <laughs> and for <Sorry>. both of us <laughs> so. i'm not gonna go like super deep into it as on astrology.com but uh, apparently both of us we're gonna have brushes with ego today um and okay. it's because of the moon uh, the yeah, the moon entered your constellation, I think, uh, which apparently it's good for me. Hmm. I'm not sure why, but regardless, uh, some good things will happen today, oh, okay. uh, but some bad things could also happen if you so, don't be careful. I, uh, you know, obviously in, in my former life, I was a heavy metal player and, uh, one of those like eighties hair bands that I, I really used to love is wasp. And Wasp cool. is basically in the same way that like Motley Crue is basically Nikki Six. Wasp is basically Blackie Lawless. Like you don't have the band Wasp without Blackie Lawless. And a lot of their uh, first album was written kind of like from his own individual perspective. But there's a, a song that opens with the lyrics, I'm Virgo, my Leo's rising. Uh, Hello. Yeah, kind of interesting. Was, uh, sort of fascinating, okay. right? Uh, so I looked it up. And that particular astrological like alignment actually occurs on a semi-regular cadence. 
and I found out that like Blackie Lawless, I was born under the star sign Virgo Leo Rising. And so that is my uh, astrological connection to Blackie Lawless. And uh, that's that's what I got this morning. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, um, I'm a Taurus, which means we're stubborn. Or I guess you could say bullheaded. <laughs> uh, also born in the year of the ox. Um, were we both yeah. born in the year of the ox? Yes. Cool. Yeah. Uh, just I, I, no matter where I go, I'm, I'm stuck with bullshit. Um, <laughs> so so it's it, at some point when we start taking this podcast a little bit more seriously, uh, we will have to get a soundboard and a laugh track for shit like this, because for <laughs> if we're going to do zany morning radio without the music, then we need to have something along those lines. Oh, my God. Are we going to go like vintage radio show? I don't or know about full vintage radio. Like- <laughs> 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 yeah, do you remember the I, I, the Family Guy episode where Stewie and um, Brian have a morning radio show, Dingo and the Baby? Yeah, and, uh, and I, I think all sound effects. It's all sound effects, but at one point Stewie hits a sound effect, and it's like <laughs> uh, it's Malcolm X's speech about like the the AIDS crisis and Stewie's like has this terrified look on his face and he goes I swear to god there's supposed to be food fight. <laughs> you know what references like that that is boomer millennial stuff. It, it is. His <laughs> early family guy reference. Is family guy still relevant? Uh is it relevant? I don't know. Is it still Is it still, it's still ongoing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's still okay. there. It's still people are still aware of it. It's still being made. Uh, so I guess I just, I haven't tuned in for probably over 10 years now. Yeah, me either. I mean, I mean, I, I enjoy the earlier seasons again, this is probably anchored to nostalgia. Um, you know, it's, I think it's one of the reasons that I keep going back to Futurama is because it sort of now exists in like this sort of like stasis. Um, so it's still what I'm nostalgic for. Yeah. I think nostalgia is going to play heavily into this podcast. Uh, as if that hasn't been beaten to death but (laughs) yeah we'll we'll find fresh ways to talk about it yeah yeah so um uh real quick let's do a quick uh news rundown what's what's news what's happening uh yeah give me some current events current events uh looks like um i need to pay my lawn bill your uh, lawn bill? <laughs> yeah, they they the people that fertilize and treat my lawn. Um, oh, 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 okay. I, I thought you like pay them. I uh, thought you had like your lawn was on a subscription model or something like that, and <laughs> they'll come and repossess my lawn. They were gonna like you know discontinue your grass because <laughs> that'd be funny. That's the future. That is the future. Subscription based <laughs> landscaping. Uh, it looks like Kevin McCarthy won. This the House Speaker role. We all knew he would. Um, Did you follow any just, of that? A little bit. It was apparently the only news thing that was happening this past week. Uh, nothing else happened in the world. Just, uh, just the House Speaker uh, vote. <laughs> Which uh, the I mean the funny thing is is that a lot more happened uh, in uh, again I I use funny the wrong way. A lot more happened in in the news in the world, but I. Like mo- most of the news cycle, I, I was locked in on the, the speaker fights. I, I could not turn it off. It it became my version of like keeping up with the Kardashians. Like I just binged the entire thing. You should be ashamed of yourself. 
Well, I, I, I try and stay at least, uh, I try and keep like some sort of relevant awareness of, of what's going on in the political sphere. I used to be a little bit more dialed into it. Um, but it just, it made me sad. Uh, and so, um, I've, I've had to pull back a little bit, but, uh, I, I do, I think that, um, especially if you have any kind of ideas about, uh, affecting change in your government or, um, you know, trying to build a, a better society, you, you, you have to have some sort of awareness of what's going on in, in, uh, in politics and culture. And so this is, this is one that I just absolutely couldn't turn away from. And, uh, it couldn't have happened to a better person, like watching him lose 14 times in a row, uh, in a very, uh, spiteful way made me very happy. Um, I don't know that I agree with you that I thought it was guaranteed that he was going to get it. I was sort of hoping that he would have to fuck off and somebody else would, would get nominated. Nah, I think I'm too much of a cynic. Uh, okay. Like now this will, this will end the way everyone has worked hard to make it. end. Um, we're just going to have a little bit of a dog and pony show here first. Um, that's a dated reference. A dog and pony show. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any dog and pony shows left? Not here. You s- swear to God, you know who might have a dog and pony show? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I know that he's got a, a pony or a donkey, I think, that like is one of his main pets. And I and he has several dogs. So he might have a dog and pony show. Well, a, a donkey show is very different. I, I, I But it's I don't think it's appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> It's not. Well, what is appropriate for this podcast? Or what, is, what is happening in your area? Bring us. Yeah. Bring us so I, yeah. I, I mean, Nashville is it, it, following like the development of Nashville is is almost in, in kind of the same way. It's like a spectator sport. And uh, I'm actually meeting up with uh, a couple other people in my industry for coffee tomorrow morning. And we in setting it up, we, we were actually like having a discussion on who has had the worst living situation based on the kind of like industrial stuff that goes on around them. So for example, uh, the one he is terrified that he's going to have to move out of his apartment building because there is a crane over it that's building an adjacent apartment building. But there have been some concerns about the stability of that crane. And so there's like this fear that this crane is. Now, I don't know how much of this is just people looking up and not realizing that cranes do sway. Like there is some give and movement to them. But at the same time, if I was living in that building, I would be equally equally as terrified. I'd be like, this this doesn't look it doesn't look safe. Whether or not it is safe, another question, you know, but it, it doesn't it doesn't appear that way. Um, and, and there are cranes all over Nashville. Like I think at one point Nashville had like 70 something cranes in the downtown area because of how much like growth is going on. The story that I countered with was the, uh, three month period that there were regular dynamite blasts in the lot, uh, adjacent to my apartment building as they bored into the ground to build another high rise, but they had to like explode the land in order to do that. So those are the fun things going on here. Apparently, uh, Tennessee is, some state legislatures have um, tried to, uh, or legislators have introduced a bill to legalize marijuana in some uh, in some limited circumstances, which means that you know at least we would drag Tennessee kicking and screaming into like the late 1990s, which is progress. So, well, I mean, that's a that's a big thing that people care about is 
legalizing marijuana. And I don't think it's about just should be though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it just should be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, I don't care to use it. I hate this, the smell of it. Uh, like when I work a flight out of Denver, uh, I always am like, because there is someone that clearly just bathed in it. And he's Uh, usually in my exit row. And I'm like, (laughs) you, can you read this? So, so it, it, just playing devil's advocate on this, though, like, how is that any different from like crazy heavy chain smokers that just smelled like disgusting? Like, and this comes from an, an ex smoker. Like, I know how bad it smells. Like, it's it, it, it's awful. No, well, it, both smells are awful. Okay, uh, they they are. Um, I think one just like hits me different. Um, but I smell chain smokers a lot less these anymore. Days. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's not as yeah, it, it it's it not as common. I'll give you that. Um and the weed smell I think is still um not as commonplace for me that when it hits me, I'm just like, Ugh. um but I don't care if you do it. Uh yeah. I think regulation would be important. Um sure. I also think it would be I, I think the most important part of it is that if you legalize it, all those people that have been imprisoned for marijuana related. Out. Uh, yeah. Just get them out. Like expunge, get them out, expunge the record. Like, yes. Give them a fresh start because they have a, f- a ton of hurdles that they'll have to face even when they do get out. That is, um, it, it is one of the worst crimes of like uh, American society is, is the number of people that languish in jail or prison for fucking marijuana really and and not even mm-hmm. like you know like trafficking which again now we're parsing like what crime is worse and that's a whole other discussion but like possession possession charges are arguably like a, among the most ridiculous to put somebody in jail for and it it is it's atrocious that we do that to people i'll never forget that scene in shrek 2 uh when puss had a bag of catnip on him <laughs> and it always hit me that's right. It hit me in the feels. I thought that was so messed up. That's right. Yep. Uh, poor puss, man. <laughs> He's got a new movie, uh, Puss and Boots. He's he got does. a new movie. Apparently, it's really good. I've uh, heard it's good. Which is fine, because I, I watched his first spinoff movie, and I was like, this is pretty meh. Uh, I, uh, I, there's been more than... Oh, man. Yeah, there was one back in like 2011, 2015, okay. somewhere way back considering considering we run a cinema podcast i probably should be more aware of actually maybe that's a good uh a good candidate for <laughs> an episode then because i have i don't i have no memory of the first puss in boots movie do we think it's <laughs> an eventual candidate yeah it could be yeah listeners let us know if you want us to cover the first uh puss in boots movie <laughs> oh um, man but uh, we came into this and we're like, we have, let's bring a couple of topics in to kind of yeah. talk about and springboard off of, I'll let you get us, uh, get us off on a tangent here. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how, how long we go with each one of these. If we, you know, get a chance to introduce all of our topics or if we just, you know, end up. We're, we're yeah. already over time. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I'll make cuts. No. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Um, I, this is kind of funny because I was reflecting recently on how a couple of months ago I wrote in a, a writing sub stack that I used to, to maintain how I was doing my annual playthrough of uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I, I, I play, it's <sighs> right. It's one of the best. Um, it, it's still my all-time favorite Zelda game, and uh, I, I treat it in the same way. This is nowhere near as classy, but in the same way that like Christopher Lee reads The Lord of the Rings once a year, um, I play Link's Awakening once a year. And uh, so it's, it's, just, it's coincidental to that like my topic today is right now I'm replaying Breath of the Wild, um, and uh, I'm just... I just needed like an, an escapist place to run away to. And as we were saying, nostalgia kind of factors heavily into this podcast. And I'm just nostalgic for the first time that I played through Breath of the Wild. So I'm playing through it again. And I've gotten to the point in the game where like I have all this really powerful equipment. My character is is really, really strong. Like combat in the game has become more of an annoyance to exploration. Like I I'm like, I wish everything would just get out of my way. It's not that I can't fight these fights. I just don't want to, like, I, I just want to be out here exploring. And it's, it's that late game period that I find really interesting. Um, because I think the most fun time in a video game is middle game. And uh, the more I thought about this, the more I, I was like, you know, th this is oddly, it applies to like a reading journey. It applies to like chess games, where I think the most interesting part of a chess game is, is middle game. Um, and I, the actual ending of it doesn't feel as important as like the, or as, as engaging as the buildup to it. And I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I, I think the, um, it, 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 not just in video games, uh, though we can use that as the, the springboard, but just like the, the idea that like midway through a project tends to be the most fun and interesting when you're trying to get to a certain goal. Why is, or, or maybe I'm alone in this, why is like the actual, like crossing the finish line doesn't feel as uh, exultant as like actually being like in the midst of it. I think I can relate to this in terms of video games and in terms of okay. my own personal writing process. Yeah, uh, go for because it. I'm very good at writing the middle of something. Yeah, I and I'm, I have more to say on that as well. Go on. Or I just have I'm like, OK, I have thought of this particular exchange between characters, this little sequence of events. Uh, but coming up with the beginning to get to that point, you, any and all transitions and then like ending it from there. I don't fucking know. Uh, video games. I think this hits me hard because I think I have maybe completed a small handful of games in my life versus the amount of games that I have played and just okay. played and enjoyed and maybe not necessarily been good at. I think that's probably the major problem for me is I enjoy the mid game, but it's because I can't finish them. Uh, especially, <laughs> you know, especially once upon a time when, uh, you, you didn't have a save you played right until you finished or you had game over. Yep. Uh, now you have a chance to save and go at your leisure. Um, yes. Mid game is, is a ton of fun to just go around and have a good time. Um, I think it's even more fun when you know what the ending is. And if you have done the ending, you're like, nah, I just want to just do crap in the game. I just want to have fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and I think that's where uh, Breath of the Wild for me is is such a like a rousing success is because it has this world that recycles itself, and so you you never run out of, I mean you run eventually run out of like Koroks to find and shrines to do, but there's there's you know you'll never run out of bad guys to fight if if that's really you know really your thing, and the world is already so large and expansive that it it takes hundreds of hours to. 100% complete the game to begin with. And it's one that I can always just sort of like fall into and just sort of play in the world. But there is a, like, again, as your, your character reaches like late game levels of, of strength, even though there's still a lot for me to uh, accomplish uh, in the game, like I still have like 20 shrines left if I want to go back and do that. I still have like obviously 700 fucking Koroks to find. You know, Link is at a point where they're just, they're, they're, there doesn't seem to be that challenge to the game anymore. And uh, there's not that same scrap for survival. I think that's one of the hardest things to go back and replay something like Breath of the Wild is the very first time you play the game as you're like learning not only its controls, but like learning just the world that game feels so dangerous right out of the gates. Like everything feels like a, a serious threat and it encourages you to, to think differently and to approach the world in, in less of just a, you know, frontal combat style. I realized I didn't know that there were roads in breath of the wild, uh, until like midway through my first playthrough because oh, really? I, yeah, I, I, no, because I approached everything from like, well, if I want to go there, like what mountains can I climb to get there first to see what might be up on those mountains? I had no idea that there was a road system in the game. And that was actually oddly game changing to be like, oh, I could have followed the road and it would have gotten me there a lot faster. Um, but that sense of danger is lost. So I used the roads sometimes in Breath of the Wild. Okay. Uh, but not very much. I was very much <laughs> like a, let me get to this vantage point and then glide as far as I can across yes. Hyrule. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> You're running out of stamina. Uh, well. I'll eat a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think Breath of the Wild was amazing for repurposing the uh, approach by an old man and being told it's dangerous to go alone. It's dangerous to go alone. Yes. And you are given a stick. Uh you're not even giving a stick. It's like, go out and grab that sapling. Yes. <laughs> Which, and, and that's a, uh, that's something else that like, as I just kind of considered this uh, as, as a topic, because I, I do want to talk more about just like the idea of being in the middle of a project or a, a life event of some kind rather than strictly uh, video games. But um, Breath of the Wild, uh, you know, people talk about how it's, it's a return to the original Zelda formula. And, I, I'm curious to debate whether or not the the very, very first original Legend of Zelda game, was that the very first console open world game ever? I mean, I, I guess, mean, I guess it is could, technically open world because you could right. go, you because there is a, like, if you go online, there is a preferred order of taking on the very first Legend of Zelda to where you can get your, your, your big shield, your bombs, your power ring. Mm -hmm. uh, and like your before candle, you even go to the first sword, you, you can get, you can get the silver, not the silver sword. Uh, it's the level two sword. You can get that mm -hmm. before you even go into the first dungeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And that's uh, that is like the the power way of playing the game. But in terms of like, if you were a player 
1986, being dropped into that world for the first time, not knowing any of that. The only thing that gates that world is the difficulty of the, of the enemies that you encounter. Otherwise, there's technically no right way to play it. Like you, you theoretically True. can play it in any order you want. Even the later games, which are lauded as the better Zelda games, like Link to the Past or Link's Awakening, um, their progression is gated by the equipment that you attain in each dungeon. It's not gated in the the very first Legend of Zelda game. That's why I think it's a, a curious argument as to whether, I mean, I guess you could say adventure on Atari 2600 kind of beat it to the punch, but you're a dot that picks up keys in that game. I don't know if it. I think Zelda is the first great one. <laughs> <laughs> did, Final Fantasy, did Final Fantasy predate the very first Final Fantasy? What very, was that? I don't remember. It, I, and that the very first Final Fantasy, I, I'm going to make an argument that it's it's a gated game. I think that progress on that one is is gated by um, world events. Hang on, I'm looking it up. The original Final Fantasy, I, I got to play that game all the way through. That's another one that I have not completed. I think it was 87. 87, yep. Okay, and so Zelda beats it by one year. Zelda was 86, yeah. Zelda was one of those like original, this is why you need a Nintendo Entertainment System games. Okay, so again, this the this was meant to be like a jumping off point, but like steering away um, strictly from video games, I because I, I resonate with what you were saying about like writing projects. Because I, I had this discussion actually with another buddy of mine recently, where um, he asked me if I've ever done the practice where like I rent a hotel room or like a campsite and just sort of like lock myself away from the world for seventy two hours to finish a project, and. I was talking about, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have that problem. Um, and it's because once I get involved in a writing project, it, it, it doesn't become like all consuming, but like, I, I just have like a, a fire to write it. Like, especially if I'm doing like something like a, a writing a novel, somewhere around the 10,000 word mark, like the, the writing is going to take care of itself. Like I, I almost can't stop writing at, at, at that point. Um, which leads me to end up with some rushed endings because like by the time I'm getting to the ending, I'm just moving at such a clip that um, I'm, you know, something that I struggle with is, is writing satisfactory endings because I don't, I don't take my time and let those moments breathe. I think often the way that they need to, but that middle portion of the project is when I'm like most thrilled and engaged and like, yeah, this is, this is awesome. Like getting started can sometimes be a little bumpy ending can be a little, but like, it's that, that, that middle where like just the momentum is with you and, uh, you can kind of see like where you've come from, but also know that you have road ahead. I don't know why that I, I find that such a, uh, an engaging, like just an engaging period in, in any sort of undertaking. I would imagine that that's, um, because as you you're in that flow and then it's almost like the you're a vessel for the for the story mm. like it's just coming um, right a, a lot of times when i'm writing it's it's like i know what i want to say kind of but it's like how do i get there but then once mm -hmm. i'm in a groove like you said it just goes and it's it's almost stream of consciousness yeah you're just going and uh, until you hit that whatever moment where you're like, and I'm out of stuff. Is this it? 
Well, well, I mean, like momentum begets momentum. <clears throat> like this is when I when I interact with especially newer writers, um, and you know, one of the things they they talk about is like, how do you write every day? It's like I, well, I write every day because I write every day. It's it's not like um, you know something that uh, is is necessarily a conscious effort anymore. It's just part of my daily workflow. But there there is a hump that you have to get over to do that. But what you eventually find is by writing every day, you condition yourself to write every day. And, and your, your brain just is, it, you know, our brains are really malleable and it undergoes like certain, just kind of little, little switches get flipped. And suddenly you're just sort of in a writing groove more often. That's not to say I have great writing days every single day because I have some really shitty writing days. Um, but I, I write every day because I write every day and it, 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 it creates its own momentum in that way. It's not something like I have to wake up motivated to do it. It's just like, all right, time to get out my computer and write. But that those periods, that that conduit mentality that you were talking about, that flow period, it's always most noticeable, most evident in, in the, the midway point. Like it's just, everything just seems to be firing on all cylinders. Well, because I think you're, at that point, you've answered the call to adventure, right? Mm. And so now you're just, you are going through your journey. Uh, and then when the journey ends, you're like, Oh, well, what happens now? Everybody asks what happens now? Uh, even, yeah. um, you know, I always think of a uh, Stephen King talking about how endings are a struggle for him. And yeah. if you read a lot of his stuff, uh, you can tell, uh, <laughs> it, uh, cause it's like, what, what makes, uh, what makes a good ending? And that's uh, endings are hard. I would say endings are probably harder than beginnings. Well, he he kind of picks at that in it, you know, like the the one character that's a writer. Everybody tells him that they they hate the ending, and I think that's semi self aware. And it's hard to say goodbye to something. I think when you've been on a a journey. I mean, I I wrote Krogh, uh ten years ago, and to this day, I'm like, do I write more for him? Um, and and like I a, a big part of me wants to just because I I love that character so much and and I love the the world that he inhabits and I'll, I'm gonna write more stories for that world but it, it's it, you know the ending of uh, you know the final Krogh the Battle King book feels definitive for the character and to resurrect him I'd have to have a real good reason as to why I would want to write more for this character when his his arc is very much completed. Um, it's like reopening the middle and how do you jump back into like that raging rapid of, of motivation or, or like flow, flow period, whatever you want to call it. Like, how do you just jump into the middle of that and create something compelling out of nothing? I, I don't know if that's quite the right way to put it, but no, I get you. I get you. Like I would, uh, uh, I think about, um, I think about the Lord of the Rings, uh, sure. the, the, the story ends. Mm hmm. And uh, it has the ending is almost kind of funny to me because it is kind of it takes a long time ending it takes a long time beginning. It took well, it does take a long time beginning, uh, <laughs> but it takes a long time ending. And then when yeah. it ultimately ends, it's just Samwise coming back to his house and being like, all right, well, that's that. That's you're right. Yeah. The the last words of. I, I I think the the back half of Act Three in Lord of the Rings is str it moves the goalposts and becomes strangely anticlimactic. Like one of the things that was left out of the movies is the scouring of the Shire. 
which is, you know, they return to the, sh- it's after all the major battles are won, the ring is destroyed and all that. They go back to the Shire to find out that it, it's actually been taken over and the hobbits have to fight their way through, you know, like a small army of orcs and, and flush them out to restore peace to their home. And it's like, we did this. Like why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Can you imagine coming back home and being like, "Yes, I'm gonna have some steak and kidney pie. Uh, I'm gonna just we're gonna go down to the fire. green dragon. What? Oh, fuck's sake! The fields are on fire. What the fuck is this? It, it, and that's why it, it. One of the things that people like griped about Return of the King, the movie, is how it ends like eight times. Like, how many fade to blacks do we get in that stupid movie? To this like, day, well, my wife still complains <laughs> about the ending of Return of the King. Because it has so many false endings. It just keeps ending. But I'm like, well, to be fair, the book has several false endings. It does exactly the same shit. It's pretty <laughs> faithful, actually. <laughs> okay, actually, so then to, to, to put a capstone on this, um, name something that has an ending that you felt good about the ending. Like you felt really satisfied with the ending and you were like, yep. That was it. That was what I needed at the end of whatever it, whether movies, book, video game, like something that that had an ending that you're like, yes, this did what I wanted it to do. Um, that's tough. I mean, I think there's a l- lot of really good endings out there. Okay. Um, honestly, uh, yeah. an ending that I thought was really good was uh, to go into another major franchise, Star Wars: Return of the Jedi. I think sure. that ends beautifully. Yes. The original like, arc. Yep. You're like, and it's done. Uh, he, Luke did it. All the ghost Jedi are proud of him. And now he's going to go party with his sister and a bunch of bears. Uh, like. <laughs> <laughs> go rage with the Ewoks. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's a great ending. Um, and even when Lucas went back and kind of tweaked out a little bit and he, uh, you know, shows the celebration on, on other planets yeah. and whatever, I was like, that's still fine. Yeah, that's still great. I, I was like, that's a beautiful end of the story. You know that in any sort of real world scenario, you know, that's not ultimately the real end of the story. Um, and they've, you know, since gone back and talked a little more about the immediate aftermath in that universe, which is fine. But you could also not have you could have left it right there and mm-hmm. it was just it was a great ending everyone lives happily ever after yeah it, it is it, I, I i'm going to agree that the end of the original star wars trilogy was immensely gratifying that that mm-hmm. story's arc is is perfectly well executed um, i'm sure there will be a million people say well it wasn't perfect and here's why but i i it is a well executed storyline it is a very gratifying ending um and and yeah like like you said, in the original expanded universe, it gets into, well, there was still a lot of effort to like put together a new, like, you know, galactic, uh, you know, government that was more democratic and, and all that. And, and it, the empire wasn't dead, but you still get the sense by the end of Return of the Jedi that the, the, the empire's back is broken. Like this, this was it. Like, you know, they, they're going to keep fighting afterwards but they're never going to be what they once were. And I think that is like the, the tumbling of the empire is what feels so gratifying in that movie. Yes. Uh, I mean, what history shows us and star Wars does a good job. If you don't want to pay attention to history is that an empire is only as good as its emperor. 
Ah, uh, uh, yes. Because Rome thrived under good emperors and suffered under shitty ones. The the Galactic Empire wasn't that great. Because, <laughs> I mean, it didn't make well, it past one emperor. It didn't make it past <laughs> one. I, I, raise a glass, though, for um, wh- what's the, the name of the actor that, that portrays the emperor? Um, oh, what is his name? Yeah. I like I, I don't I don't know why I wanted to say Ian McKellen. It is not Ian McKellen. Um but uh while you're looking it up, he he has done a fabulous job of embodying that character for far too long. And I give him a ton of credit for kicking ass in that role, no matter what is asked of him. Ian McDermott. Ian McDermott, there we go. Ian McDermott, man, he's he he's he's phenomenal. Yeah, like he he did a great job, and uh, I think it's pretty awesome that he got to be original Palpatine back in the '80s. And then, even though he aged, they were like, "That's perfect. You're still just right where we need you to be for the prequel trilogy." <laughs> the prequel trilogy, which the prequel trilogy are getting a little bit of a, uh, I'm calling it the the George W. Bush treatment, where people are looking back on it a little more fondly than. Uh, <laughs> the- <laughs> was when it originally came out like people are starting yeah. to go back to that one like maybe it wasn't as bad as we thought it was because it feels like it got a lot worse <laughs> yeah um but yeah i mean i think i think um a lot of fairy tales have um really good solid endings princess bride is a great ending um, princess bride is a pretty good ending yeah that's a good one it's all it's there's a lot of good stuff. I think there's just a problem with, um, you know, you have a really good ending and then someone's like, but what if we could have more? What if there was more? Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and, and that is, I, if, if anything ruins an ending, it's the question of what if there was more? Yeah. So anyway, that is, we've gone quite long on that topic. Um, so I will turn it over to you. What is, uh, give me, give me one of your, your, your discussion points. What, uh, what'd you, what do you want to talk about today? I want to talk about Waffle House. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for this conversation. I have fond memories of Waffle House. Go on. Waffle House is such a unique American institution. It really is. Um, you, it, it is open 365 24 seven. Uh, I said that backwards, but the point is you can get breakfast whenever. And to me, it's like Taco Bell. You go there um, because you're in a state. (laughs) (laughs) You don't go there for good quality food. You just go there because you just, you need a minute and the food's quick and cheap. And you might need like a ton of calories real quick to counteract whatever else you've been doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But because Waffle House was in the news recently, actually, I should preface this. Waffle House is almost always in the news for some reason. Is this the chair throwing incident? Well, I wanted to talk about the chair thing, but it spirals into slightly slightly bigger conversation, but yes, this became, this is popped up because, uh, this past month, a video went viral of a brawl at a waffle house. And the clip that was making the rounds was just when, uh, a patron hurls a chair across (laughs) the line and the line cook just one arm deflects it. It's pretty amazing. Like if you haven't seen it, track this clip down because it is 
it's something else. It's it's so bizarre. And I, I watched it several times because I was just like, this is real. Mm-hmm. Now, I know those chairs, they they aren't heavy. Like they look no. like they're solid metal, but they're hollow. Like they're yes, you can you can hurl that thing across a line. Yeah. Pretty easily. Um, but to one arm deflect it that easily, also like you're it helps to have adrenaline going, I guess. I would imagine so, yeah. Uh I'm sure afterwards that line cook was like, oh, fuck. Was did did she arm. deflect it or catch it? Either way, it I was mean, impressive. Just watching the clip, she's just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it would have been even more impressive if she one arm caught it, spun it around and hurled it right back. Threw it right back. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the old reversal. <laughs> I would have been like, hell yeah. Um, but th- this incident happened, uh, I think, back in September it just the 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 clip went viral more recently um i saw the footage of the more long form fight okay uh but again uh kind of pivoting off our previous conversation you're in the middle of the incident it's like we don't get to see what set this started it (laughs) Uh, which i think is important for me to know exactly who i'm rooting for in the fight because watching the fight i'm all i'm all on team waffle house baby um <laughs> but we don't we don't know what kicked it off and chances are both sides are at fault. Sure. Um the the line cooking question, uh her name's Haley, no last name probably for privacy reasons. Yeah. Uh, but she talks about it a little bit. Um she no longer works at that Waffle House. Uh and she said she's actually been blacklisted oh, from interesting. working at any Waffle House. And I'm like, what has to go down that you get blacklisted? Waffle House. Waffle House. (laughs) You're on the Waffle House blacklist. Now, is that that that, that's her assertion? She's saying that, right? Yeah. Well, she said she's been she's been told that she was. I'd be terribly curious to know what the the other side of that story is. I'm not saying that she's wrong. I'm sure that there there is every possibility that uh, Waffle House did, in fact, decide that she is not uh, the caliber of individual that they're looking for. Um, I'm I'm I would still love to know the other side of it. (laughs) But but that's my point is the amount of stuff that goes down at Waffle Houses. um, This is a good point. And just again, like uh, they're they're in the news almost all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, the big news item right now is still about that uh, viral video. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like fights like this break out and Waffle House cooks turn into club bouncers. Um, I had seen another clip where someone actually has to bodily pick up and remove someone from the diner. Uh, and that's just that's just part of their life. Uh, I'm, I, I don't props to them props to them. Cause I'm sure they are not pulling down six figures. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're not being paid enough to put up with that kind of shit. No. So it, you, you say things always go down at a waffle house. Do you think it's because of how you prefaced this with is the people that are going into waffle house are in a state to begin with. People aren't going in there, you know, dressed in a Sunday best looking for a nice sit down uh, experience. They're already distressed. Uh, I think it's a jokes aside. I, I think it's a little more layered than that. It's okay. I mean, 
one it is because they are 24 seven. Sure. Uh, and, and nothing are, good happens after 2 a.m. No, uh, n- no. Uh, so it's it's 24 seven. It's yep. cheap. Uh-huh. So it's um, it's probably sounds. Sounds insensitive and I don't mean it that way, but it's it's probably a reality that um, a limo is not going to pull up to the Waffle House. Uh, like Elon's Probably. not gonna go into the, his Waffle House. I'll make an argument that Elon is just as much of a jackass. But go on. No, but, well, but the point is, it's um, <laughs> I think Waffle House also caters to a certain socioeconomic uh, level. I, and I and I don't disagree with with that. I, I think that the you know the assumption that there is something inherently more uh, violent about that socioeconomic. I think that's that's probably not in, in, uh, not necessarily based in reality. Um, I, 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 I do, I think it has more to do with the, the distressed state that people show up. Cause I know the last time I was in a waffle house, I was real drunk, real fucking drunk. Yeah. So yeah. But, and that's also a blanket assumption too, because uh, waffle house has business all day long. That's true. All day long. And all different that's, types of people go through there. Yep. Um, but they are most commonly found like off of highway exits. <laughs> yes, um, they. So, so you just get a more transient consumer. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, but like, I mean, there's a ton of altercations that happen, uh, robberies or other sorts of crimes yeah. that happen. Um, but I've also learned that Waffle House apparently uh, is a good gauge for hurricane severity. I was just gonna. Yep. Yeah. I did not know this before. Uh, I've always used Jim Cantori as my hurricane tracker. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, when well, he Jimmy. comes into town, I'm like, oh, okay. So we might be in business. <laughs> uh, but more so than Jim Cantori. If the Waffle House in your region is like, okay, we're shutting down, uh-huh. then you're like, oh, I should have left three days ago. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're an interesting bellwether in that regard. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, because they are so reliably 24, seven, Yeah. If one closes down, you have a real problem on your hands. Which is fascinating because look at the architecture of a Waffle House. It is a glass box. Yeah. It's all windows. That's probably why if the hurricane's bad enough, they're like, we really can't. We, we can't because this whole thing is going to come down. <laughs> but they wait like it's got to be really bad. It's, it's true. Be no, a really serious situation. They're like, yeah, all right. And I'm like, you live in a glass house. They they really shouldn't be throwing rocks um, <laughs> <laughs> or chairs or chairs. <laughs> no, it, that, it, that's a really interesting point. Um, you know, what's funny is considering everything that goes down at Waffle Houses. Now that you mention it, I don't think I've ever gone by one where I have seen broken windows. I have seen all kinds of funny signs because they they let the the lights burn out. And so there's like, you know, the waffle hoe or the awful yeah. house, you know, so I've seen plenty of those. I've never seen a broken window on a waffle house. I no. now I'm curious about what they're making their windows out of. So either the big wigs at Waffle House Inc. Uh, invest a lot of money <laughs> big in <waffle>. like <laughs> big, big waffle. They <laughs> they invest a lot of money in. uh glass quality very uh, I mean, very potentially true yeah i don't i don't know but uh it, it 
the whole story with uh the 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 brawl uh-huh. um like this this was it was a it was a wrestling match dude it yeah. was it was like one of those uh you know the end of royal rumble when the surprise uh candidate comes out and they just slide in there and just start wailing like the one <laughs> it, the second the second one of the customers like leaped <laughs> over that barrier into the kitchen area all bets were off. The second she got on the line, they just like swarmed her. I was like, you're, you're better off on the other side. Like make make your case as loud and as obnoxiously as you want. That is your right when you're inside a Waffle House, but do not cross that counter. No. Nope. <laughs> and I, I just, the waffle's not even that good. Uh, so this okay. was going to be my follow-up question. Have you ever had the Waffle House waffle? Oh yeah, no, I've been to Waffle House a ton of times. So have I, but I, the the number of times that I've actually ordered the waffle. Oh yeah, no, I see. Here's the thing: I okay. tend to go for the waffle because oh, interesting. I well, I don't like fake ass cheese. I don't like craft cheese. Okay, and the cheese okay. that they use is it's either American cheese or it's fake American cheese. Uh, so in the omelets, in the oh, the, in the omelets. Uh, big slam whatever dish it does slam that's denny's but it's yeah. it's it's just i'm like i don't like the cheese so i'll have okay. waffle and i'll have just some eggs just scramble up some eggs and the waffle and the waffle's okay. fine but it's not a great waffle I mean, it's it's a really interesting because it's not like um, I think anymore. Most people think of waffles. They think like Belgian style waffle, like you know, big, thick, and, and fluffy. Mm-hmm. And that is not it, the the short order waffle at Waffle House is like super thin, and um, it's just it's a different style of waffle. I, I think the last time that I had the Waffle House waffle, I was eighteen years old. I mean, it's literally half my life ago. Um, and because that's because in the town that I grew up in, when you were in your late teenage years, there were only two places that were 24 hours that you could hang out at. One was the Waffle House. The other was Meyer. And why we would hang out in Meyer, I that's that's a story for another day. Um, but we would hang out at Meyer sometimes. So uh, we were either in Meyer or we were in Waffle House at two in the morning. More than often than not, it was Waffle House. And that was the last time that I had the Waffle House waffle. I've been back to Waffle House since, to be clear. Um, I... Uh, had a particularly out of control St. Patrick's Day four years ago, I think three years ago. And uh, we ended up at a Waffle House at 3 a.m. after that uh, that night. Um, that is the last time that I was at a Waffle House. That had to be four years. It had to be 2018 because it was before I came to Nashville. But anyway. <clears throat> Meyer is a chain of uh, northern uh, supermarkets. <laughs> That's what I should have. Yeah, it's I was in Ohio, I Michigan. Yeah, it's it, they're they're a they're they're a big box store, kind of like a like a super Walmart or Walmart Plus, whatever the Walmart that has groceries is, because they they do groceries, but critically, they also do like electronics and furniture, and they have like a deli, and that plays into why my buddies and I would hang out at Meyer at four in the morning. So right, uh, but all that to say. Uh, whatever went down, I know we don't have the whole story of why Haley would be blacklisted, but if she wants to work at Waffle <laughs> yes. House again, I think you should let her pound sign justice for Haley. <laughs> justice for Haley. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I, I've been I've been listening to the clips episode on repeat lately just to to and there there are so many things that I'd like to actually go back and eventually add more clarity to because I'm like I I just said so many things that are just flat out wrong in a couple of those clips that I'm like God I sound like an idiot um, <laughs> but the pound sign conversation still just makes me crack up so yeah pound sign justice for Haley I uh, I'm I'm all about it. And also, if we can get a Waffle House All-Stars Brawler game, I would be here for it. Dude, that would actually sell. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that it would slip into some really unfortunate territory in terms of how those characters would be drawn up. But uh, I think a, <laughs> a Waffle House Brawler would be, would be kind of funny. It would be, it'd be gun. Give, give me that. Give me a Brawler. Give me a, like a, a Battle Royale. I don't care. Yeah. Um, Maybe Fortnite introduced Waffle House skins. Uh, that would actually be kind of cool. Uh, and I, I don't even play Fortnite, uh, but I think it'd be yeah. awesome to see the Waffle House line cook uh, running around in Fortnite, taking on Darth Vader. That's that's one of the greatest fucking things I've ever heard. <laughs> Let's do it. So that's my that's my Waffle House rant. Um, I, I would also like to say that when it comes to breakfast, I really enjoy Cracker Barrel. Uh, yeah, I. Cracker Barrel has a solid, I mean, yeah, Cracker Barrel's got a solid breakfast. I, I think it's so reliable. It's unremarkable to me. Sure. So if you're, I mean, if, if you're, if you want something and, and again, leaning on the nostalgia side of it, I would always like hedge towards Bob Evans, but, uh, I don't think there's that many Bob Evans left. And I'm pretty sure that the breakfast you get at Bob Evans is no different than what you would get at Cracker Barrel. It's just, it's, it's down home. Good cooking. I think we both have more conversations we would love to get into, but I'm looking at our clock here and I'm like, we're maybe already we, at 102. Yep. <laughs> I was like, we might want to wind down this, this episode and save more stuff for next week. I think so. Yeah. I, I think, um, with a little bit of trim, we can get this, uh, under, uh, an, an hour for our, you know, the sake of our listeners and, <laughs> and their day. Um, and, uh, we'll just have more to talk about next. I, I, the fact of the matter is that we always have so much to talk about. Part of the reason that, you know, we only got one topic each is because <laughs> we started this one talking about flash animation and Homestar runner. I think that is a great start of a podcast. I think it was a wonderful start for the podcast. If, if this, if this, we go down in history for anything, it's episode, you know, zero, zero one of this particular podcast began with Homestar runner and flash animation. That's where it's at. That is where it's at. Uh, we're going to be fairly regular folks coming at you every week. Yes. Uh, just nonsense like this. Uh, let me know if you want a weekly horoscope, uh, local Dude. news updates. We, uh, you know, we've got a field reporter, Otto Cipriani. He could give us, you know, reports <laughs> from the field. I, I will. I will full on put a GoPro on my dog and have him walk around the neighborhoods and interview people. He would love that. And people would think it's the greatest thing in the world. So we could do field reports with Otto. Yeah. Um, you know, next time we should, uh, we should talk about how Otto, um, tried to get himself abducted by the soul cycle coach. Um, constantly, <laughs> constantly he's after now, now he, who he wants to give himself over to is the, uh, the barista at a local coffee shop. Um, because she always gives him whipped cream when we come in. And so now he literally, when we go into this coffee shop, he tries to climb onto the counter to get to, and I'm like, dude, it's, it's not a good look, man. It's not a good look. These dogs ain't loyal. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to Morning Radio TBD. I, Morning Radio TBD is a an objectively funny name, and I'm I am like I'm falling in love with it more and more. <laughs> I also love the idea that we have recurring morning segments like astrology and uh, the uh, uh, like, just what's what's going on in the news. I think, um, yeah, sort of like Alien from LA in the the cinema podcast. Like, we, we've got a few kinks to work out as we sort of iron out our, uh, you know, but stick with us, folks. We, we've, we've got fun stuff to talk about. So we're, uh, we're going to have a good time. And in the meantime, you can hit me up on Twitter at Rigdon's Rant. Uh, Ryan, you're a little more ranged. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of all over the place, and and I'm gonna uh, tune it back down. But like you, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at Cipriani underscore Ryan. Um, I have not been on Twitter in several months, and uh, that is directly related to some of the bullshit going on over there. So um, I can't say for sure that I'll be returning anytime soon. But you know, if I start seeing some interaction, maybe I'll come swinging back around. Um, but also, I'll be uh, resurrecting the uh, the old Instagram at Krog the Battle Prince. Um, <clears throat> I've got a YouTube channel that has a bunch of my writing classes on it. Um, s- search for Ryan Cipriani writer. Uh, I might be coming back to TikTok, but TikTok might be banned. If it's not in the meantime, I'm at the Grim Scald. So those are a bunch of my socials. We, we really need to get a social media channel for this. And that way people have one place to, <laughs> to well, come at us. <laughs> it's, it, it's coming. But in the meantime, uh, give us your thoughts, questions, yes, comments, please concerns. Do. Uh, you know where we're at. Rants. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and uh, please, bonus points if you uh, reach out to us while in a Waffle House at 3 a.m. Yeah, absolutely. Send us the stories and uh, we'll, we'll recap them right here. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the first episode. We'll see you next week. See you next week.